Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod on a busy day, a busy news day in the NBA here with our front office insider, Bobby Marks. Bobby, how are you? I'm good, Woj. How are you? Good. Well, let's start with what is the big news of the day. Anthony Davis of the Lakers, uh, his MRI came back and, and we reported that it found a calf strain and a re-aggravation of that Achilles tendon injury. Uh, it's going to be two to three weeks before they reevaluate and take a look at uh, his timeline to return. But I'm told to not expect him back, Bobby, before the All-Star break, that March 5th to 10th break. So that takes you, you know, you get to March 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, that takes you almost, you know, to a month. And so just let's start there for the Lakers. And this is really in these last two seasons for them to have an injury that I think this injury has lingered with AD. Uh, he had been bothering him the last couple of weeks. He felt pain-free. He said Sunday came back, played against Denver, and has a little a little collision with Nikola Jokic, uh, leg on leg, and you saw him limp off. And, and now the Lakers are faced with uh, sitting him, uh, trying to get him healthy uh, for the long term. And I, I think for... LA really the first uh, having AD and LeBron together the first real injury challenge now where one of them's going to be out of the lineup here for a fairly significant period of time. Yeah, I think um, a couple of thoughts that came to mind when that, when that news came out was get this team to mid-May in one piece. Uh, that's the that's the first thing as far as we know what this roster could do when they get into a postseason, a healthy roster with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. The other thing was, is that how are they going to manage the minutes of LeBron James going forward? Now, is he going to have to continue doing a lot of this heavy lifting? What is the impact going to be? And my concern with this team all year was, all season was, they had a short off season, two months. Um, you start up in end of, end of December, you're still one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Does these minutes eventually take a toll on some of their bodies here? Um, and then the third thing, which is really not Laker related, Woj, is that you know is it's it's got consequence, consequences financially for Jason Tatum, and I, and I say that because all NBA is not going to be here for about another four months. But we know that Tatum's got that All-NBA honors in his contract where it can go from $162 million to $195 million. Does the media look at AD out for an, an extended period of time? Does that remove him from this equation and now maybe bumps Tatum into this mix? And that's, that's a kind of a side thing that you know, not many people are kind of talking about. Yeah, well, yeah, no, you're, you're the only one talking about that. That, that's, that. that absolutely comes to your mind. First, I do wonder with the all, we'll get back to that, but the all league teams with COVID now in, an injury is different than COVID, but are people going to judge time lost? Is it going to be, it's almost how they're doing the NCAA tournament and picking the field. You, what do you need? 13 games to get in the tournament. I do wonder now this is an injury. This isn't contact tracing or, you know, Kevin Durant missed, will have missed at least a couple of weeks this season just on contact tracing. I imagine he's still going to be first or second team. I imagine first team all NBA. But yeah, I think for the Lakers, you know, especially this year, I think home court advantage means even less 
it meant nothing in the bubble. It means less outside the bubble than it normally would because of no fans in the arena. We'll see by the time we get to the postseason, you know, if potentially uh, there are enough fans in the arena for it to feel like it makes a difference. You know, Utah has fans now and they make some noise. It's not what you normally would get there, but still you're going to have to travel on the road in the postseason. But as you said, for the Lakers, they can go and beat anybody anywhere. They just need to be uh, healthy as they go forward. You know, there was a sigh of relief today, Bobby, that there was no calf tear. There was no tear of the tendon sheath, which is around the Achilles. And so they got through that, but obviously they're going to be, and I know Rich Paul is agent and Rob Palenka and Anthony Davis, and they were all talking even prior to the MRI today uh, that they're going to be conservative. Conservative was the word I, I kept hearing today from them about how they're going to go forward with it. And like you mentioned, LeBron's minutes, he has played a lot of minutes. He's clearly chasing that MVP. I mean, he's carrying this Laker team, but I think the one criticism that has maybe kept LeBron, maybe the one criticism he's heard from people about why he hasn't won more recent Most Valuable Player Awards was that, well, there were certain times of the regular season he may not have been going all out. And so they would found some, you know, some punctures in his candidacy. Uh, he gets to the postseason. Everybody sees he's the best player in the league, but he's not left any room for that this year. And I think now even, even more so without AD, you know, you'll see him have to carry a, a, a great load. I imagine they're going to have, they, they will be careful with his minutes. They have to be. Uh, they can't put more on LeBron because AD's out. That's a recipe for disaster. They certainly know better than that. And so I think now for the Lakers, you know, this is a, a, a new challenge for them. This is this is going to be something different in their title defense. Yeah. I mean, I think going back as, as far as when you were talking about how cautious both sides are going to be with with Anthony, they, hey, they've made a $190 million five-year investment, both sides. Um, and then when you add on the LeBron extension too, that's a lot of money that you've invested in in both of these players that you're not going to you know, there's not going to be any shortcuts here to his, his rehab. It's um, I think the, the spotlight certainly now comes on Kyle Kuzma. Um, as far as his play, you have a nice backup as far as Montrez Harrell that you signed in, in the off season, there'll be a player when we get into that buyout period, eventually in um, I guess, end of March here, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that's still down the road here. They've got that one roster spot, a little bit backed up against this hard cap here. They can sign a 10 day sh- uh, stop gap guy at the, uh, at the end of February, I think on the 20th, on the 24th. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like that next man, next man up mentality as far as where your, uh, where your bigs are going to be. Yeah. And I think for, uh, the Lakers now, you mentioned that the buyout market later, uh, I know they've been poking around the league a little bit on some, to see if some role players may become available elsewhere, but the Lakers, I think the Lakers and the Nets, the Clippers, you know, those teams have shown that they're going to compete for the top buyout market players chance to go win, you know, for the, for the LA players chance to go be in LA chance to compete for a title. And obviously Brooklyn has needs. I think the one thing Brooklyn, they, they don't have yet Bobby. And it gets back to, it gets back to Anthony Davis. Brooklyn does not have somebody to guard Anthony Davis. Um, and, 
they, they, they've got to find that player out there because if they get into the finals, it's KD's not going to cover AD. I mean, that's not optimal for the Nets, but I think that player is a Kevon Looney with the Warriors, who's always had some success doing that, uh, you know, and it's going to have to be that level of player that you might want to get at. But uh, I think when you start looking down the road, I think those are some of the things that Brooklyn and the Lakers now remember a player who's still out there, Bobby, Trevor Ariza, who's on Oklahoma City's roster. He's not reported this year. They've Sam Presti traditionally does not do contract buyouts. That's not something he's usually been able to find trades for guys. So maybe, maybe Ariza gets a trade somewhere and then gets bought out if the Lakers can't trade for him. But that's another player who I think will be in great demand, whether it's, you know, among the contenders. You know, he's somebody who's shown up in big moments and really experienced, versatile forward. But we're getting to that time. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Today, the other thing, Bobby, we reported on Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Both players will no longer be active with their teams, Drummond and Cleveland, and obviously Griffin with the Pistons. Let's take those two one at a time. If you're a team who wants to acquire either of them, let's start with that. Blake Griffin, two years, over $50 million left on his deal. It is almost impossible to imagine a trade that can happen there. And then a buyout's going to be, um, that's where it gets tricky. And so let's start with Blake Griffin. How do you imagine this playing out in Detroit, and 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 what kind of team could he still play a role on? Yeah, it's 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 interesting with Blake, and it's if if Blake Griffin was making sixteen, seventeen million dollars, there'd be a, a heavy market for him from a from a trade standpoint. But when you're earning when you're earning thirty seven this year, and and Detroit has to take back thirty million dollars in salaries contracts to make the money work, that's as I always say, there, any player can get get traded, Woj, but that's as probably as hard of a contract to move in this this day and age. It really is. And let's face it, Blake at this career still an, an effective player, but is not the is more of probably a stretch four. Uh, you know, and certainly how the Pistons have played, he can help a team, but I, I have a hard time seeing a team co- cobbling together thirty million dollars in contracts and, and then have to inherit. You know, next year at what thirty nine million dollars, and in the likelihood of that player option being exercised is to opt in, he still owed fifty three million dollars. That is a huge number. Um, from a buyout perspective, it all depends on it. Does Detroit want to take on that cap hit? Right? Like, do, even if, like I said, even if the, if um, Griffin was willing to give back ten million dollars, knowing he can earn it back, that's still thirty million dollars that's going to sit on your books. And and that's the and we're you're talking about Sam Presti in Oklahoma City. I remember when he they did the Carmelo Anthony trade with Atlanta, um, you know, whatever four years ago, 
And that was a big thing what, you know, from Sam's perspective is that, you know, once you waive a player or use the amnesty on those big numbers, $20 million, like that's there for <laughs> the duration. Oh, however, until it expires, like you're never going to be able to move that number, you know, $20 million or $30 million sits there. So, um, Griffin is just, it's an intriguing, it's basically how much I think does Blake really want to give back? I mean, that's probably going to, that's where we'll, we'll come to. Um, I remember when Darren Williams and I had, you know, just left the nets, but when he went through his buyout with Brooklyn, I mean, Darren gave back basically half of what was owed on his contract. You know, I think he was owed like 40 million and he gave back basically 20 because he wanted to be in a position to go try to win a championship and then went to Dallas and then it was in Cleveland here. Yeah, and I think, you know, for Blake in Detroit, they've had a good relationship um, with that team that was not easy to get traded from the Clippers to Detroit. And he was traded to Detroit at a time when they were a playoff team. They were competing to be in the playoffs. They had veterans. Uh, He had a lot of veterans, including Andre Drummond, you know, Reggie Jackson, players like that with Stan Van Gundy. Uh, Obviously, the directions changed. Troy Weaver's the GM now. Uh, He's moving toward a rebuild. They want to play their young guys, and I think what happens is, and it's similar with Drummond, a player of Blake Griffin's stature, it's just not healthy for anybody for him to be there in a, whatever it might be, a significantly reduced role, whether it's nights you might not play at all or nights where you um, might play 10 or 12 minutes, whatever it is. I, I think they've loved having, I know they've loved having Blake around there, and they've liked, he's been great with their young players uh, Dwayne Casey uh, has has had a lot of respect for how Blake handled um, everything about going to Detroit. Uh, but now, uh, and he could still be around the team. He can work out at the facility. Uh, he can come and go, I, I think, is how it'll play out. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the marketplace is for him. And then Drummond in Cleveland, different scenario. They want Jared Allen now to be their guy. Uh, he's going to be their starting center. That's who they want to go forward with. They acquired in the trade. With the Nets, you forget Jared Allen is only 22 years old. Feels like he's been around uh, a lot longer, and he's a player who's played very well for them. And same scenario, like just not going to use him in a significantly reduced role, uh, Drummond. And and but with only one year left on his deal, Bobby, uh, 28 million dollars. Uh, how different now of a scenario is that in terms of still difficult to find a trade? I certainly wouldn't say impossible. No, I don't think it's impossible. I think, you know, where we looked at Drummond a year ago when uh, Detroit traded him and took back expiring contracts. And yeah, I think Cleveland, all they had to do was send back a future, future two in in that deal. You know, Drummond's at 28.8 has played fairly well, you know, is that traditional center. You know, I know the knock that you hear and that people say is that his, you know, that, the stats that he do, he puts out there are does not impact winning here. Um, I, I'd like to see him in a in a in a an environment where they emphasize winning. You know, he's gone from Detroit to Cleveland. Certainly, two different rebuilds um, there. Another situation, not as high as Griffin, but you got to get to twenty three million, right? Like twenty three million dollars is the magic number in this day and age. It's there are not many of that bad contracts anymore. We, there, I think we've got 115 players on expirings. And most of those players that are on expirings, it's not the 2016 free agent class, right? It's not Luol Deng and Jan Mahenmi and Joachim Noah and that whole Bismarck Biombo, that whole group that you're – Timofey Mozgov. Yep. <laughs> that was a crazy night of 
of uh, remember those numbers were coming in that night in free agency. That first night, Mozgov was the first one I think off the board, and we said, "Oh man, this is going to be that cap spike is has." Uh, but they're all gone now. All those deals are are, are gone. Yeah, there's nobody. <laughs> there's nobody. They've either been bought out or stretched, <laughs> yeah. and they're still sitting on some teams' uh, cap sheet here. But yeah, Drummond's interesting, and, and as you said too, like you you and Brian reported, like here's another situation where. They tried Jared and, and Andre together. Together, right? They didn't work out. The Twin Towers, the Hakeem Ralph Sampson duo, did not work out that we saw back in the uh, mm-hmm. back in the day. And now you're going to park him until the trade deadline. And I said, like the million dollar question is right. What happens if you do not find a home for him? Right? It takes two to tango. You always have to find a trade partner. What happens if you do not find a home? Now it'll be talking buyout again and. If there what is man, there will be a line of suitors out the door waiting for Andre Drummond. Yeah, starting in Brooklyn, certainly. And that's going to be the difficult part for Drummond. And here's why an agent doesn't necessarily want to do a buyout. And you know this, Bobby. Yeah. And they've not talked about a buyout yet. And he's not showing an inclination to want to do one. And we know sometimes that can change after the trade deadline. It depends sometimes how much money they want you to get back. But it also creates... When you do a buyout, then you sign a minimum deal with a team. And sometimes then your perception going into next year's free agency is maybe not minimum player, but but it hurts it, it hurts sometimes your ability uh, to get your next contract. If you get traded, the team has your bird rights. They could resign you off of that number. Now, I don't think Andre, I don't know that Andre Drummond's next deal is going to start in at 25, 28 million dollars a year. I think that may be um far-fetched, but uh, it's a little more of a challenge for him. Does he want to do that? Um, And how much is his value helped by going, like you said, Bobby, going to a good team and showing he can impact winning? If that's Brooklyn, if that's, I mean, name them. There's not going to be a contender who probably isn't going to be interested in him, but certain places he can really impact it. And so those are all the things in play for Drummond, uh, in Cleveland here is as we move closer to that March 25th trade deadline. Yeah, the, the buyout should be the last resort for the player and, and his agent, Jeff Schwartz. And you, you hit it right on the head. It's you lose bird rights. So if you're going to Brooklyn or either of the L.A. teams, you're a rental. I mean, that's really what you are. You're a re- you're, it's not like you're a tryout. You, know, you lose your bird rights. Those teams only have to tax mid-level. So they can only spend $6 million on you as a free agent. You lose total leverage when it comes to signing trades go out the window, right? That get now gets eliminated if you're if you're Cleveland. And that's, you know, if that marriage is dissolved and you're not going to resign with Cleveland, but you, there's no there. You can always work with the the team as far as a sign and trade. You know, there are 22 teams that are going to be over the cap. You know, there's only a handful, eight or nine that. So you 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 lose all that leverage, and then. The other thing is that you're 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 always going to be chasing the money that you gave back, and mm-hmm. unless you can, you know, I mean, there's no guarantee that the Nets are going to spend their tax mid level on Drummond and pay another thirty forty million dollars. You know, maybe, but you know, that's that's the other thing is 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 the financial thing. But yeah, you lose a lot of leverage in the buyout scheme of things. For the team's sake, hey, we open up a roster spot. You know, uh, maybe we save some money. But we also lose the leverage that we can't maybe turn you into something in the offseason. Yeah. And I think for Cleveland, you know, Kevin Love coming back soon 
from that calf injury. Um, and I think he and the organization would like to see him play well and see if he can reclaim some trade value in the marketplace. And he's got uh, this plus two more years left on his deal, right, Bobby? Around yeah. three, three years, ninety million or so. Yeah. So that's that's a lot, and and he needs to come back and show. He needs people need to see him play. All Star Weekend, Bobby. We're starting to get the league and the union have agreed on all the uh, health protocols, what it's going to look like. It's going to be interesting to see. I think you're going to have to go. The, the rule, you know, you face a, a fairly massive fine for not going. I think most players feel as though it's their obligation to go. Now, how many guys are going to play? How many minutes are they going to play? Last year's All-Star game, which literally, you know, in your phone, it comes up one year anniversary of pictures and photos and a bunch of all-star pictures popped up from Chicago uh, Sunday. And and you remember back to that day, I mean, just as good of an all-star game as anyone had seen. It was so competitive and played at such a high level. And Kyle Lowry's running around taking charges and, you know, AD and LeBron and Kawhi. And, I mean, guys were going at it. This is going to be a very different environment. Guys are kind of trudging. The elite guys are trudging their way to Atlanta. We're not going to, looks like we won't have Anthony Davis in it. You know, the league is going to, as we'd reported the other day, they're going to move all the uh, Saturday night stuff to Sunday. And so you're going to have the three point contest and the skills competition before the game. And then at halftime, the slam dunk competition, I'm told the league would really like to get LaMelo ball down there in the skills competition, the presumptive rookie of the year. What do you imagine the All-Star game looks like and how into it do you imagine the star of stars, the people that people really pay to watch, how into it are they going to be once they get there? Well, I think it's, you know, it's certainly different because, you know, it, the All-Star weekend festivities is now removed by a single sing, you know, with with a single day, right? Everything is kind of crammed into one. I I, I would like I'd like to, for the league to adopt expanding the rosters from 12 to 14 right we go with 14 during the regular season 14 actives i think if you expand the rosters plus two it now gives you some insurance with some of these players that have played some heavy minutes and i think there is probably a little bit more of an appreciation for a zach levine out there or devin booker guys who haven't experienced it as much being in that type of a Shea Gildress Alexander, for example, um, Julius Randall, some guys who probably won't won't make it, that we can expand expand it, and I don't think that you know will happen, but I think that's a good way to look at it. As far as then you open up that you you bring fourteen of each, and you expand it here, but I think there'll be some guys going there kicking and screaming. I think that's just the nature of the beast, and we saw it already with the, the top guys. And I think I understand the questions about the virus and going to Atlanta, which has been an open city. Um, the players are going to fly in private. They're going to fly out private and they're going to really be isolated while they're there. I think a bigger concern for the NBA is not Atlanta and those players who are going to be in bubble wrap for the weekend. Largely it's the other 400 players in the league who are going to wherever for their all-star break. They're, they're not allowed to leave the country They've got to stay within, I think, uh, 
Puerto Rico, obviously Hawaii, you know, they don't have to stay on the mainland. They go to Hawaii, Puerto Rico, I think the Virgin Islands. I don't know. There were three places we reported. But but that's the question is how many guys are going to come back? There are rules. They've got to test while they're gone. But the question that I've heard a lot from around the league is, is it going to look like when we were coming out of uh, the holiday, out of Christmas, where there were 18 or 19 positive tests? Or is it going to look like coming into training camp when there were uh, closer to high 30s or in the 40s initially coming into camp? Is it going to look like that? And I think that's the question more so than the guys who are going in and out in one day to Orlando, to Atlanta, excuse me. For the guys that are going to Atlanta, knowing how the league did the bubble, I think there should be confidence that you are going to a um, environment where um, it's going to be tr- as bubble proof as possible, right? For those for those participants there. But you're you're right. I mean, like it's almost like we're going to have a restart of the season where guys are elsewhere, maybe large gatherings, maybe with more people. Yeah. Um, you're not in that controlled environment anymore um, that that we're in right now. I mean, we've. Knock on wood, besides this you know, recent San Antonio game, we've had a pretty good stretch here of late where things got dicey for, for a little bit, for a little bit of a while. And now you're basically kind of doing a do-over or start-over you know, in uh, you know, that first, second week of March. Yeah, and I think teams are concerned what their rosters may look like coming into the start of the second half. Players have to get in two days early, so they're going to test a couple times before they get around their teammates and, and I hope that if somebody is positive, they're not walking in and infecting others. But um, that's going to be, you know, the question, uh, the question there. So uh, a lot happening. Uh, we've got a lot more between now and that March 25th uh, trade deadline. Bobby, uh, great to have you in as always. I know we'll do this again soon as we get deeper and closer into trade season. Thanks, Welsh. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, ESPN's front office insider, Bobby Marks. Be sure to check out Bobby's Instagram page leading in to the trade deadline and all year long at bobbymarks42. And also be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also be sure to check out the Low Post with Zach Lowe, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhurst, and the Right Time with Bamani Jones. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.